0: That's fantastic. Thank you so much, Leslie. Good morning, everybody. Lovely to see you. Uh, it's Matt here, uh, the lead pastor um, of the church. Uh, I see Meg called me the senior pastor. I'm not the senior pastor. Nothing senior about me. Very junior indeed. It uh, just so happens that I'm the uh, lead pastor um, of the church. It's great to be together. It was so lovely to see Phil and Kathy. Thank you um, to you guys and showing us a little bit of what life is like for you, but yes, I'm excited um, to be speaking this morning. This is a brand new series, a four- part mini series, uh, simply called "The Road to the Cross." It could have been called "The Road to Jerusalem," because we're going to trace the bit in Luke's gospel where Jesus begins to make his way towards Jerusalem uh, uh, until Palm Sunday, where he actually uh, arrives on that day. Now, let me start. Grace is uh, behind the scenes today. Thank you, lovely Grace, for the technical work that you're up to. Could you please bring up the PowerPoint? That would be amazing. And as we start, let me just say a word of prayer. So, Heavenly Father, this morning as we turn to the gift of your written word, we pray that we would encounter the living word, your son, Jesus Christ, afresh. Come Holy Spirit. We invite you, please speak to our hearts now in Jesus' powerful and precious name. Amen. Amen. I don't know if you've noticed, but a number of phrases, aren't there, that have moved into common usage over the last year for the first time. We've all become uh, used to fairly expert language at phrases like R-rate. We wouldn't have had a clue what that was before. Zooming, even Zoom. To Zoom was not a thing, but it is now flattening the curve, self-isolation, lockdown, quarantine, social distancing. Of course, coronavirus. Who knew what a coronavirus was before? Not many of us, that's for sure. The current phrase everyone is using at the moment is the one that's up there or down. Nope. (laughs) That's it. Uh, Roadmap. Because we stand at the moment of transition, don't we? As a nation, Boris has presented us with a roadmap for the next few months. Notice he hasn't called it a plan. A plan is very detailed. It tells you exactly when things are going to happen in exactly which way. But this is uh, not quite that. A roadmap tells us that there is a journey that lies ahead. It tells us that there is a definite destination that we're aiming for uh, and that there are going to be significant markers that we need to visit along the way. But with a roadmap, there's a certain amount of flexibility Um, The timings may shift, the speed may increase or decrease. Detours may need to be taken. But the roadmap at least does give us that ultimate destination to aim for. It's fascinating to me, really, sociologically as well as spiritually that in this uh, such individualistic culture, we're all so used to my rights and my life and my choices, my way, that actually we're all in this together, at least as a nation and actually as a world we are in one way. Um, but all of us in the UK are rooting now and working towards the same goal of seeing coronavirus brought under control. And that day when, as Mig was talking about, we can celebrate and be together again. It's This morning i want us to realize as we think about that concept of roadmap that jesus had a roadmap marked out for his ministry everything he did actually was shaped by the ultimate destination that he was traveling towards as we've explored in our series that we just finished on hope that destination was the fullness and the coming of the kingdom of god where there would be no more sin, no more suffering, no more tears, where every tear, in fact, would be wiped away because God would now dwell with humanity. There would be total forgiveness, total joy, total peace and safety and justice. And the whole created world would be set free from its bondage to sin and renewed. This is the ultimate destination that lay before Jesus, And it's fascinating to read the Gospels, realising that that is where he's heading. That is the reason why he came. This is it, he says, as he stands up in Luke 4 in the synagogue and declares, this is the year of the Lord's favour. I've come to set the captives free, to give the blind sight. This is the kingdom of God prophesied in the Old Testament. He says, but now it has come true. It is being fulfilled in me. This is what I've come for. And he says uh, in Luke 4, right at the beginning um, of his ministry, when people in a certain town want him to stay, they're like, you stay with us. This is awesome. He says, no, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because that is why I was sent. That's why my father sent me. And again, in John 10, 10, in what is one of the best verses of all time, the thief comes only to kill and steal and destroy, Jesus said. But I have come that they may have life and have it to the full eternal life with the Father, with the Son, with the Holy Spirit in the kingdom of God, known in this life and known fully uh, in the future to come. See, Jesus' roadmap was headed there towards the kingdom and he was calling everyone to come and be a part of it breaking in now but before that ultimate destination he knew there were going to be significant markers along the way he knew the time was coming where he would ascend back into heaven his ministry was limited on this earth his time was not long but he also knew the day was coming when he would return again we thought about that he will come again in glory and 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 the the dead shall rise and those living shall be judged, those who are dead shall be judged and he shall bring such justice as he creates all things new and his kingdom ushers in. It's why we're excited about the second coming of Jesus but that day lies ahead on the roadmap. Now Jesus knew there was perhaps one of the most significant if not the most significant marker on the way coming up. Certainly before those was a marker that would cost more than we could ever, ever imagine. Jesus knew there could be no forgiveness, no healing, no peace, no justice, until the power of sin and death and darkness was finally dealt with. There was no skipping to the victorious end, if you like, without first defeating the prowling enemy. Sin, pride, violence, Arrogance, injustice could not simply be ignored or wished away. They had to be paid for, dealt with, empowered, broken, forgiven. Every person lost, blinded, trapped in their sin needed to be liberated. And the world itself had to be set free from this curse. And therefore, Jesus knew on the road map before him, there could be no celebration of the kingdom without first the suffering of the cross. Now, reading today, we witness the most extraordinary, decisive moment. Jesus turns to face that reality, that next and most costly marker in his journey, and then sets himself towards it. Read Luke 9 verse 51. As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, that marker was coming. Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. Jesus knew heaven awaited, but first must come Jerusalem. First must come the cross. And here in this moment, he resolutely sets out towards this destiny. The Greek literally says, and I love this, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. It's like in this moment he turned his face into the cold, icy wind and took that first determined step on the road to the cross. It's an amazing moment. This isn't the week leading up to the crucifixion. This isn't the day as he's walking down the road towards Golgotha. No, this is long before that, as he realises it lies ahead. But we see this moment. Where he returns towards Jerusalem and he sets his face towards Jerusalem and the cross that lies ahead. And Luke takes the next 10 chapters from chapter 9. I don't know if you've ever noticed it, go back and have a look at the Gospel of Luke again. You'll see from chapter 9 right the way through to chapter 19, Luke is unpacking this journey towards the cross, this road to the cross from Galilee to Jerusalem. And as you read these chapters over and over again, Luke just puts in these constant reminders on the way, on the road. Every moment was a step closer. Even Jesus himself, when he's warned by the religious leaders that Herod wants to kill him, replies in Luke chapter 13, You go and tell that fox, I will keep on driving out demons and healing people today and tomorrow. And on the third day, I will reach my goal. In any case, I must press on today and tomorrow. And the next day, for surely no prophet can die outside Jerusalem. He knew what lay ahead and he was pressing on to it. One step, another step, moving on towards the cross. And we're going to be exploring this journey together over the next four weeks as we move towards Easter. We're going to be dipping into the significant teaching that Jesus gave on the road, on the way to Jerusalem. Next week we're going to be looking at what is perhaps my most favourite story that Jesus ever told, the story of the road back to the Father's forgiveness and then we're going to explore the week after the provisions Jesus teaches about, uh, if we're going to walk this road with him, the provisions we're going to need for the journey and then we will finally arrive again Uh, in Jerusalem on Palm Sunday and explore that entrance moment. But before we do, I want us to start here and to realise that the significant journey that Jesus took, just like every significant journey, all began with the first step. A step that changed everything. Now, I wonder if we were going to talk about the greatest step ever taken by a human being, it's not going to be long, is it, until we start talking about the man on the moon. We talk about Neil, not the man in the moon. He's a lovely smiley face that pops up at night and we all like to point at. Not that one, but the man who stood on the moon first, Neil Armstrong. Um, and actually, it was 1969, I think, wasn't it? Um, uh, Emily and I were having a discussion about this this week. Some reason she'd been taught about it at school, probably because they're now exploring Mars and hoping one day to go there. That would be extraordinary. Um, And she said, why did he say what he said? What was it, Dad? And we we said it again. He says this. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. And Emily just simply asked me, "Dad, why did he say that? Why didn't he say, yippee, I'm on the moon? (laughs) And I love that. Wouldn't that have been an awesome thing to have said if you were the first astronaut on the moon? If Emily was, she'd have got off. Jumped off the uh, uh, the rocket and gone yippee! I'm on the moon. And I think the world would be a very different place if people were that fun-loving and silly, even as they get on the moon. um But actually, I explained to her it was an extraordinary sentence he said because he realised and recognised that this one small step that he was taking was so much more than that. It signified a huge change in the whole of human history, a giant leap forward in progress. But I want to say to you, even that most incredible moment, still unsurpassed in human scientific progress and exploration. It pales into insignificance compared to the moment a Jewish teacher, a prophet from Galilee turned his face steadfastly towards Jerusalem and took that first step on the road to the cross. It was the most important first step any human being has ever taken, because it's a step that would change the whole course of my life and your life, the whole of human history, the destiny and future of our planet and the entire universe. It was the first step on a journey that would change everything. As we turn towards communing, can we go to the next slide please? Grace, thank you. I want to invite us simply to reflect again on the significance of that step that Jesus took for us. Let's have a look. How are we doing for time? We're okay. The first thing, I just want to draw four really simple things out of this as we reflect on Jesus' step. The first thing I want us to realize is that this was a step of obedience, friend. I've come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. If we could bring up the next slide, Grace. Everything Jesus did was in obedience, thank you, to the call of the Father on his life. You see, Jesus, unlike so many of us, was never blown around by the wind. He was led by the Spirit. Sure, that's different. But it was the call of the Father that gave him his direction in his life. He was never one to just change with the fads of society or be persuaded left or right. He had a clear calling on his life, a calling to rescue and save and bring about God's coming kingdom. And so from this moment on, we see Jesus was resolute in taking the path to the cross, that marker that had to be visited if the kingdom would ever come. And nothing and no one would stop him. The full force of the enemy would rail against him. Even his dear friend would beg him to reconsider. You can't do that, Jesus. And he simply said, get behind me, Satan. He was resolute, following the call on his life. But I want you just to notice this, because sometimes when someone becomes so obsessed with something, they become almost stubbornly single minded about reaching a certain goal. They can become unpleasant difficult rude obnoxious ignorant to the needs of others around them they're not a pleasant person to be around they're just so focused but here we see that even in his unwavering dedication to go to the cross Jesus wasn't in such a hurry as to dismiss the importance of the journey along the way The journey was so important too we read that he didn't take the fastest route to Jerusalem he wiggled all over the place if you try and plot a map of Luke's account he had time for people for joy, for ministry, for friends. He visited towns and villages and ate with people and taught and healed and blessed them. Dedication without dismissal. But there is no doubt that Jerusalem was always his destination and obedience to the Father's call was his greatest loyalty of all. And we also see if it was a step of obedience, it was a step of trust, friends, he took. You see, God wasn't just a taskmaster to Jesus or the provider of some impersonal call on his life. God was his loving, heavenly father. His relationship with him was the foundation, the reality, the joy of every moment of his earthly ministry. We must realize that this relationship wasn't only experienced by Jesus in the joys and the victories, the moment where folks marveled at him and applauded him and cheered him on. But it was also deepened. This relationship was deepened and treasured and crucial on this road that would lead to such suffering. See, we read in Psalm 23, and I heard someone preach on this this week. We read in Psalm 23 that intimacy with God is not just found as we lie in the green pastures or dwell beside still waters. It's also found in the valley where he journeys by our side, comforting us and strengthening us. It is part of our journey, the valley as well as the green pastures. It is part of our relationship. It so often comes as a confusing disappointment to us as Christians when we find ourselves in seasons of suffering and struggle. And sometimes we want to try and create a a theology where we almost push them to the side and pretend they don't exist. And then we feel ashamed if we are struggling. And yet... Of course, while our faith is tested and we may feel forsaken and we question whether God has abandoned us, the truth is that the valley of the shadow of death is not the place where God is absent, but a place where he is especially present. Stepping into that valley is not a step away from God, but actually a step of trust and deepening in our relationship. It's like that lovely song, Oceans We Sing. You called me out on the Waters, take me deeper, Lord, where I can only trust. A road to the cross would have felt lonely for Jesus. None of his companions got it, but his heavenly father did. He was immediately rejected, we read, in the first Samaritan uh, town. There's no coincidence. As he first sets off towards Jerusalem, he's rejected. There will be much more rejection to come. It's a foreshadow of the cross yet to come. But his heavenly father embraced him every step of the way. And as we look at the trust in that first step, we realize that Jesus had been nurtured and fed and rested and his soul restored in the green places and the lying down. So that as God's child, he may now walk with confidence into the valley of the shadow of death. There's so much we can learn here. So it was a first step, not just of obedience and of trust but also one of great courage and this is picking up on what mig was speaking about i didn't know what mig was going to talk about but this was great you see jesus was under no illusion as to the suffering that lay ahead the cost that lay ahead we read in the text that while everyone was marveling at all that jesus did it says in verse 43 jesus says this listen carefully to what i'm about To tell you, he says to his disciples, the son of man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. Come in close and listen, he says. Whilst the people are still rejoicing all around us, I must tell you, it won't be like this forever. Jesus tells his disciples, my journey is not just one of joy, but also sacrifice and suffering. I will be handed over. There will be sorrow. You know, I think Jesus was genuinely brave. Strange to hear that, isn't it? I don't know if I've even said that before. I don't know if I've heard it before. It sounds weird. We often think, don't think about Jesus really being brave because we can't imagine Jesus, the son of God, ever being scared. It's not a word we use in relation to him. Now, Scripture told us he never sinned. Having laid aside his divine majesty and taking on the fullness of our humanity. We see he struggled. He suffered. He wept. He thirsted. He hungered. He bled. And my guess is he knew that human emotion of fear. I'm not saying that he doubted his father. He always trusted. He always obeyed. But as we see in Gethsemane at times, he was deeply troubled. The cost of the journey ahead was enormous for him. He would be stripped, and beaten, humiliated and tortured. And then, and I cannot and you cannot even imagine this. He would take on the full weight of every pain and sorrow and sin and suffering the world has ever and would ever know. To deny there was courage in that first step to the cross is to deny the fullness of Jesus's humanity as well as his fullness of divinity. The, The message reads, when it came close to the time for his ascension, he gathered up his courage and steeled himself for the journey to Jerusalem. The cost of the cross can never be fully understood by us friends, but nor can the love that led him there. You see, that first step was a step of obedience and of trust and of courage. And it was also an incredible step of love. The journey he was setting off on now, unlike so many journeys that you and I and humans all around us take, was not a journey for his glory. But instead, it was to see a hurting world made whole, to see lost sinners like you and I saved and to see the glory of God finally revealed in the kingdom to come. The first step wasn't elevate his own career path. Jesus is God. He always has been. He always will be. There is no career path after God. No, this first step was taken for others because of his love. For this world, for us, for the Father. Because of this step, I was forgiven. You would be forgiven too. The whole world would be rescued and saved, redeemed. Death would not win because he took this first step. Hope would abound. Joy would flood the heavens and earth because he took this first step. I would be able to know a relationship with Father God through Jesus that would be impossible To achieve on our own. And we would taste now in this life and know fully in the kingdom to come the full width, the full length, the full height, the full depth of the eternal and unsurpassable love that Jesus really does have for us. And we witness it here in this little moment of enormous significance as Jesus stands with us on earth and he sets his face towards Jerusalem and takes that first step on the road to the cross. Friends, it was a step, as it says, of obedience, of trust, of courage and of love. It's not fancy what I'm talking about. It's not fictional fallacy. There was a genuine moment in history where God himself, who had taken on flesh and the fullness of our humanity, stood and considered the roadmap ahead, considered the journey. Jesus stood and understood that before the kingdom could come, he must suffer and die. He stood and saw the cruel cross lay before him and he had a decision to make. It all hung in the balance. He could have turned around, walked away, followed the advice of enemy and friend and give in to the easier call. He wasn't forced to go to the cross. He made a choice. In that moment, he gave his yes. Decision to say yes to the call of the father to the roadmap that lay ahead and he set his face to Jerusalem and took that first step that would change everything now in a moment we're going to go to communion I hope you've got your bread and wine ready and we're going to reflect again on the depth of the cost of this decision he made for you and me but before we do I want us to remember that we're not called just to reflect on this journey Jesus took but he actually invites you and me to join him. Matthew 1624 to 25. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it, will find it. You see, this journey to the cross was also a journey of learning for his disciples who walked with him on the way. And we read in these chapters of Luke and we'll explore them together that they would learn that following Jesus had times of utter marvel and grace and celebration. But it isn't always easy. They would learn that being obedient to the call of God requires commitment and cost and sacrifice. And this is something that each one of us must learn, too. Simply saying yes is easy to say, but far harder to truly mean. It's no coincidence that immediately after this facing Jerusalem and taking that first step. As they were walking on the road, three people come up and try to give him their yes to join him. The first calls out, I will follow you wherever you go. But Jesus replies, do you realize the cost? Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. He's saying, would you follow me if it meant giving up your earthly riches and comfort? Would you really follow me now? And the second is called by Jesus, follow me. But he replies, Lord, let let me first go and bury my father. You know, this was the highest importance in the Jewish customs of the time, even higher than temple duty burial was. But Jesus says extraordinary words, let the dead bury their own dead. But you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. He's saying that the call of the kingdom is higher even than the highest calls of earth. Would you really follow Jesus says? The third says, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. But Jesus says, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Wow. to Follow Jesus is really a genuine moment of serious decision. And I wish I could make this passage softer for you as a pastor. I want to just simply tell you it's all hyperbole and I want to lessen the cost for you and for me. But Jesus doesn't. And so I can't. Here he makes it clear it's all in, friends. Well, not at all. The same Jesus that says, come to me and I will give you rest. here says it's everything. Will you give everything for me? It's a journey that may cost you in this life. Are you in? It's a journey that must become your highest priority. Are you in? Are you coming? It's a journey that calls for your full focus and your full commitment. Will you follow? Even the best excuses have to be laid aside if we're able, if we're going to give Jesus our full yes. But if we do give him our full yes, we realise that rather than losing our life, we find it. And we realize that we're on the most extraordinary journey any human could ever be on yes it's a journey of cost and sacrifice and commitment and at times struggle but it's a journey of ever deepening relationship with the father a journey of walking side by side with jesus our lord and savior a journey where we realize we are blessed to be a blessing to share the love and the good news of the kingdom to our friends and our family and our communities around, to be part of something eternal, of such purpose and of such significance that it will change everything. So friends, what about us and in this moment right now? If you would gather together your bread and your wine. I just want to talk to you, see if I can just lower that down. I want to talk to you just briefly about our first step into a new season because we may have a national roadmap to get us out of this pandemic friends and it may change but I want to say to you that I and you have an eternal roadmap for our lives one that Jesus has laid out and the destination is the joy and the fullness of the kingdom to come And on that roadmap right now, we realise it's not just the nation that stood at a significant moment of transition, or at least we hope we are, into a new season, but we are as individuals and as a church. Each one of us individually has a new season ahead for God, whatever that might look like. And I want to suggest this for some of you tuned in now today. There will be a new call on your life. To mission to service in a new way for the Lord, something that God has been stirring in you during this time that will bear fruit in this new season to come. For others, perhaps what lies ahead seems difficult, perhaps because of age or circumstance, you're feeling you cannot serve in the ways you once did. For others, perhaps a season ahead seems unclear or scary, but each and every one of us has the call of God on our lives to follow Jesus, all of us, to live and give and serve for his kingdom, to be part of his love and his joy and healing, breaking into this world, our families, our communities, our workplaces. And as a church, you know, we too are looking ahead and considering how we can meet together in person, as Mig said. But what will the church look like and feel like in a new post lockdown world? There will be a season of joy and celebration ahead, but also of re-understanding church again of appreciating one another again as we look towards a new associate pastor, a new vision, a fresh start, a renewed mission ahead in an emerging post-pandemic world. But before we rush into this new season, I want to invite you now as we turn to this meal to realise that like Jesus on that day, We're stood in a moment of decision. The cross was still a long way away. This wasn't, as I said, the last day or the last week. And the journey ahead of us may be short. It may be considerable. The temptation is to be blown by the wind or immediately get active and just get on with what we think is right or best. But I want to invite us to realize that our journey ahead must begin by giving Jesus our wholehearted yes. And choosing to take that first intentional step together, because the kingdom of God comes whenever ordinary people give God their yes and take that first step, step of obedience, of trust, of courage, of love. Realizing that what lies ahead may involve laying aside my preferences or yours, may involve sacrifice and cost. It may involve commitment and struggle, but it is a great and wonderful step into the call on each and every one of our lives to reach out with the good news of God's love to the least, the last, and the lost. The journey ahead, I have no doubt, will deepen our trust again. As it would be filled with new discoveries, new joys, new comforts, new opportunities and new depths of relationship with God as we see more of his kingdom come. And so we stand together like Jesus did on that day. And we have to choose. Will we set our face towards Jerusalem? Will you prioritise Jesus in the season to come? Will you give him your all, your best, your focus, no matter the cost? Every significant journey begins with a first step. So let's give Jesus our full yes again this morning and take that first step with him into the season to come.